Amen. Keep your youth minister, Diana, in prayer. As you can see, she's not here, needless to say. So we just keep her in prayer. She's just not feeling too great today. I think me and Ruben made her laugh too much last night. We had a, a little family get-together for Alexis's birthday, and uh, we had a dandy old time. Amen. Ain't nothing like family, is there? Raise me up, man. You just help me out here. Ain't nothing like family. Amen. I don't regularly preach to the teenagers, so I'm trying to dumb this down as much as possible. Um, just pay attention and give me a few minutes. I, I really don't feel great myself either, so I promise you I'm trying to get out of here as quick as possible. With all respect to God, I just don't feel good. I was telling Laura right before service, I feel like throwing up. My whole body's hurting. I've got a toothache, and Lord knows. Lord knows. Amen. I want to talk to you today about something very simple, very simplistic, something very easy. Somebody say easy. If you tap the person next, you just say easy. Do me a favor, teens. If you just don't sit up in your chair, I will call you out. Be respectful of God's house. Uh, last Friday while Diana was talking, I saw some of y'all sleeping, and I felt like slapping y'all across your face. My Lord, righteous anger. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17. Three very prolific, um, I'll try, that's a big word for them. Three very uh, amazing scriptures that speak volumes of truth. Volumes, not in the how you hear, but volumes the size of weight, but I'll leave it alone. Amen? Yeah, I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. Excuse me? Oh, you didn't hear me because you weren't paying attention, Manny? Hebrews, everybody say Hebrews. Hebrews. 12, verse 14 through 17. Amen. I'm reading mine from the uh, Message Bible, amen? I've been on a Message Bible tirade for the last couple of days. It's an amazing translation both figuratively and literally into the Word of God, and it's amazing. Amen? If you don't have your Bible, just look up at the Megatron. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for this time, and we thank you for every single soul in this building. We honor you first in this house, that as we hear your word today. Amen? Work at getting along with each other. Somebody say, mm. And with God. Anybody realize you have to get along with God? Sometimes you're not always on the same terms. Sometimes you don't. How many of you know that sometimes you don't always want to talk to God? Sometimes you're not always God's best friend. He says here, work at, what's work? When you think of work, what do you think of? Does somebody read this Bible like I do? Does your mind work like this? Uh, when you think of working is hard labor, stuff you don't really want to do, but you have to do just to make ends meet. He's telling you to do whatever you got to do to make ends meet with God. To work at getting along with God. Because not every day do you want to get along with God. Somebody say amen. If somebody ain't say it around you, they're lying. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Hmm. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. The Esau syndrome, somebody say the Esau syndrome. If you're not familiar with the story of Esau, I will paraphrase it coming from the book of Genesis, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the 25th chapter. And the story of Esau takes place as such. 
that there was born to a man named Isaac, the son of Abraham, two babies, twins named Jacob and Esau. Esau was the first one. Esau, the name Esau, means a hairy one, a blanket. And Jacob uh, is, is, means a deceiver, one who's trying to steal. And Jacob came out of his mother's womb holding on to the heel of Esau. And it was symbolic about how throughout their lives these twins would fight to see who was coming out on top. And Jacob would not take uh, second place very easily. And one day, Esau, he, Esau was a hunter. He was a man's man. He was out there shooting things with his bow and arrow, probably stabbing it with his spear. Whatever Esau was doing, he was pretty good at it. And then you had Jacob, who was a mama's boy, sitting in mommy's tent, and he was learning how to cook. Yeah, he was learning how to cook. And he was, he was probably, uh, to be honest, he was probably more of a sissy, so to speak. Because later on in the story, when he gets scared, he runs off a couple countries away and moves with his uncle. Jacob wasn't somebody who was a big, big, strong fighting man. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got you to your face and, and fought with you. He wouldn't have slapped you. If you got him mad, he probably would have just smiled and said something behind your back. Because Jacob was a deceiver. You have to understand the character of Jacob. He was a cook, a chef. He was somebody who was sitting in his tent. And he wasn't, he wasn't, I'm not saying, man, that you can't cook, but I'm just saying that he wasn't, he wouldn't go shopping either. You know how some men want to cook karma, but they won't go shopping. I leave it alone. Amen. And so one day after coming from hunting, Esau comes to his brother and says, give me some of that stew. As his brother was cooking this, this stew that he loved so much. And he said, give me some of that stew. And um, Jacob said, well, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you this stew. Now understand that Esau was to the point of death of hunger. He had not, probably not eaten. He was probably really hungry. Understand that when they went out hunting in those days, they went out for not one, two, three, four days. They went out for weeks at a time. And to understand the true complexity of the story is that Esau was starving. And he sold his birthright. I'll get into the birthright later on. He sold his birthright. And so then what happened was that the Bible says Esau came to hate his birthright. Anybody know what a birthright is? You with me so far? Esau came to hate his birthright. And when it came time that his father was about to pass away, he said to Esau, go and get me a, I think he asked him for some type of special soup he liked. And he said, go hunting and make me that stew that you know I love so much. And so then Jacob went and he, or rather Esau rather, went and he went out to go hunt to find this animal to make this stew for his father. While Jacob went and killed, a, I believe it was a goat. And he went and made the stew behind his father's back because his mother told him to steal the birthright. Because Esau had promised to Jacob that he would give it to him. But Esau had no intention of really giving it to him. It's kind of like when you play with the devil, don't really got an intention of him taking you over, but then he come in anyway and steal what he was promised. And you start dibble-dabbling with the devil and you don't think that he's going to have control, but one day you find yourself just at a loss. And so the Bible says that, that what Jacob did was he cut the animal, he skinned it, he took the fur, wrapped it around his arm because his brother was that hairy, probably like one of my cousins on their legs or something, but whatever. And he took him, and his father went and said, you don't, you don't sound like Esau. You don't smell like Esau. Let me touch your arms. And his father took him and he touched his arms because he couldn't see no more. And he said, get closer. Come here. I don't believe you're Esau. His father had no knowledge probably that Esau had sold his birthright. Somebody say my birthright. 
understand something. You cannot, as the Bible says, trade away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy short-term appetite. Just because you crave something right now does not mean that it's going to help you in the long run. Somebody help me here. Come on, kids, sit up. I don't want to call you up by name. I don't want to be like that. I don't, I don't want to be mean today. I want to be nice, Pastor, because I'm not feeling well. So what happens is that, is that he, says, he says, don't trade away those things that may seem good for now for the things that you know are going to last you, somebody say, a lifetime. How many of you know? Let's just be honest today. I, I've told you a thousand times, sin is, is joyful sometimes. Um, you have to understand that the adrenaline you get in the midst of sin sometimes, walking on the wild side, makes you feel good. When, you know, waving that proverbial angry fist at God, feeling like you're in control, when in reality you're not in control. Every now and then flipping somebody the bird. Sin comes with a price. Somebody say a price. Instant gratification is great, but guilt stays for a long time. Come on, somebody testify to the fact that you were serving God 100% and you were giving God your everything. And one day you messed up, had a, had a moment of, of, of just weakness and whatever it may have been. And then you felt so guilty for the next three weeks. You came to the ministers and said, oh, Pastor, you don't understand how I, I sinned. But it seemed like a good idea then. But what had happened was, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. You have to understand that the adrenaline spike is good and it's cool, but when you come down off of it, you feel weak and shaky. It's like one of those energy drinks. You take it for the moment and you feel great and then comes the crash. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you know all this stuff seems like a good idea, but in the long run, see, being in control seems like a good idea until you keep making wrong turns and find yourself lost in life. Being a tough guy sounds cool, but when you're crawling back to God like the little sissy you are sometimes, then you're not so big and bad, are we? And we're all, you know, big time, and we're all got a big mouth, and we'll do anything, and nobody better mess with us, and blah, 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 but we come crawling back to God, graveling at his feet. Somebody say amen. I've seen some of the toughest guys cry like a baby in God's presence. It's funny, you know, sin promises all these amazing things. Happiness, be your own boss, gratification, you're going to be cool. You'll be in the in crowd, people will love you. The problem is that it really delivers in the times that it does. It just makes you want more of what it was. Sin rarely delivers what it promises. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many of you young adults here getting caught up into whatever it is you're getting caught up in, whether it's premarital sex or whatnot? It seems good at the time, and then afterwards you feel the guilt of the Holy Spirit all over your life. You don't even want to see another guy or a girl for the rest of your life. And you say, God, I'm going to be a nun. I don't want to. I'm, I'm, God, I'll be a monk if you want me to. I'm so sorry, God. And the guilt overwhelms you, right? He's married for talking about, ha, ha, I see y'all. Hmm, hmm. There is never content or peace, only the need for more. Understand something, if you were to feed the hunger, then the hunger should go away, right? But if you feed the sin, why does it never go away? You understand, understand it like this, I'll put it to you in this fashion. If you had two dogs and you fed one more than the other, and then those two dogs were destined to fight to the death, which one would win? The one you fed more. So the more you feed the sinfulness in you, 
It's going to always have the strength to overcome the Spirit of God in you. Because the Bible says, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. But we got so much of the world in us that it turns out to be that he who's in the world turned out to be stronger than he who was supposed to be in me. Y'all with me so far? Did I lose anybody on that little rant? Look around, the only true content people are the ones who have figured out that there's more to life. People are happier when they realize that there's more to what they have right now. I don't know if you know this, but instant gratification is overrated. And it seems fun right now. I remember when I was 17 or 18 years old, uh, I thought things differently. My whole perspective on the world was just different. It was me against the world. It was me and my friend against the world. It was just like, you know, I was in church but not serving God, you know. And I just did dumb things. Everybody did dumb things when you were younger because your perspective was wrong. And I learned very quickly that instant gratification did me no good. Amen. Understand some things. Think about it. Most of our grandparents saved for the most of the stuff they wanted in life. There was nothing called credit back then. They didn't have credit cards, and they may have not had the latest and the greatest, but yet they were happy. They also didn't have the stress of mailing in and emailing and doing online payments for all the credit card debts we got today and all the mess we got ourselves in, but yet our grandparents found content without the credit cards, without all the materialistic things. Why is that? It's because instant gratification called charge it, it, it causes the stress later on. And it may seem and look cute on you now when you got the alpha on, but when the bill comes in and you end up paying five times what it was worth, and then who's the sucker then? Then who's, the, who, then who's the idiot? Come on. We are. Do you not understand that sin is like taking credit out on your life? That sin is like taking credit, and you're going to have to pay interest no matter what, and one day they, may, they just might come in and just you, cash you out. You're done. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, I believe it's verse 1, uh, verse 4, actually, a matter of fact, 4 and 4, it says that uh, sin desires to master you. It desires to take over you. Somebody say over. How about something more simple? Something more manly, we'll say, because I was talking about shopping. Let's talk about just... Uh, I'll just say illicit materials on the internet, put it that way. Does that everybody follow me there? Or I'll say explicit sexual content on the internet. I don't recall reading or hearing about addicts in that era, I'll just say, before the launch of the internet. There was a few people who were caught up in it and they were addicted to that, that spirit of sexual immorality but yet what happened was with the advent of the internet, not to demonize the internet because it's a great tool, it was an instant gratification. You could bring it right into your home. You don't have to walk to the store and get the latest Hustler magazine. You could just get it right online. Instant gratification has taken over many of the men in America. And sadly enough now, the, the, the biggest genre of, of, of that that is rising up is the women's aspect. And addictions, why? Because instant gratification... Somebody say instant. It's not always better. It's not always as it seems to be. 
Don't you understand that Esau sold the birthright, what was rightfully his, because he wanted to satisfy what he wanted now? He was a now kind of person. He was just, he didn't look for the long term, didn't plan. How many of you can honestly say that when you do sin, you're not looking at the long term effects of what it's going to do, the ramifications it'll have on your life. You're just looking to see how it'll make you feel for the moment. Come on, let's just be honest tonight. Your birthright is God's call on your life. We give away integrity in our lives when we sin. We offer our morals for our peak. We, 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 we're, we're willing to compromise our morals for a peak at some, at some sinful materials. We're, we're willing to compromise our, 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 and sell our spiritual birthright just for a moment of pleasure, uh, uh, just a day of fun. And what does it matter? We're young. We have all the time in the world to give God our, our everything. God understands that now, you know, how old are you, Eddie? I thought you were like 32. Wow. He's 25. I'm just kidding. He told me that a thousand times. You're 25. God understands if you don't serve him right now. Matter of fact, God understands if you don't always come to church. You got like, what, 10,000 kids? Well, seems like it, right? Three of them. Three beautiful little girls. They're awesome kids. You got, a, you got a wife, and that's like another whole part-time job, full-time job, you know? And then you have your full-time job, and it's just like God understands. You matter of fact, why don't you go out and you can do whatever you want? I mean, you can go have fun, go drinking, go partying, go clubbing. I mean, God understands. Go do whatever it is you want. Go tattoo your whole body up. I mean, just go be a, a rebel for the cause and come back to God later because his grace is sufficient. And we, we've missed, and then at that point, we've missed our moment. The Bible says that what, is, what, what about Esau? He, he, he hated the day that he sold his birthright also. So let me tell you something. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I love this scripture. Um, I've quoted it a thousand times. If you don't have it in your, in your Bible marked up, you should mark it, get a pen, a highlighter or something, uh, make a notation in your phone. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me, and I can come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Three verses. Amazing. Those are prolific, Emma, I had to say it. Those are amazing scriptures. Oh, just amazing. Anytime you ever feel like God does not love you, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, God speaking to us as people, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God is not out to slice you. He's not out to make you miserable, amen? It is not God's desire to harm you. He desires for you to get what is yours, and that encompasses you not selling your birthright as a man or a woman of God for a temporary fix that has no eternal value. Too often we've compromised to the point of realization, but rarely ever to the point of transformation. Why is it that you can compromise your life, meaning you can sin to the point where you know you're sinning, but you're not into the Spirit of God enough to know you have to change, but we become aware of our sins and we're okay with it? How many of you know you got sins in your life? How many of you know you've been dealing with the same sins? You're who I'm talking to because you were sinning, but yet you haven't changed the reason or the way or the fashion in which you're sinning. Is that understandable? Everybody got that? We've become professionals, professionals at realizing we are falling extremely short of the mark, but we rarely ever take that knowledge and change where we're falling short. Let's just be brutally honest today. We all know we have mistakes we make in life. We all sin on a daily basis. Everybody does. Guess what? Even pastors and bishops sin, whether you like it or not. The Bible says sometimes you sin unknowingly. But yet when we sin in the area that we know we're sinning, 
we hardly ever take that knowledge and say, how can I make this better? What can I do to make that not happen again? Who can I not hang out with so I won't be engaging in those activities or, or doing those kind of things? Instead, we say, I'm going to hang out with them and tell them about Jesus. And it just never seems to work out, minister. I just don't get that. We've become professionals at being problem identifiers, but rarely ever transition into problem solvers in our own personal lives. And then everybody's able to counsel somebody else, but you can never tell yourself what to do or be able to do the same thing you're telling somebody else to do. Did y'all catch that too? Isn't that tough? That you, can, you have all the encouraging Jesus words for everybody else, but when you're down in the dumps and I'll tell you the same thing, I know that, I don't want to hear it, I'm tired of that. Well, you call the wrong person because I'm going to put myself on repeat. Be still, know that he is God. Shut up. I'm going through the storm of my life. You said that last week. And this is a whole different situation. Every week, you realize, did you realize every week you're facing the time of your life? Somebody said, mm-hmm. We're quick to understand what everybody else needs. But we can never, ever, ever find out what we need. And when we do, we tell somebody, you're just judging me. I leave that alone. I don't know about you, but it smells like we might have a couple of Esau's in the building. We've sold our spiritual birthrights, not realizing that it's something we can't get back. Understand something, this birthright thing I've been talking, there's two parts to it. You see, you see that um, when, when Jacob went before his father, his father gave him not just the birthright, but he gave him the birthright blessing. My God, you got to understand this. I'm going to just drop some knowledge on you real quick and I'll get out your way because I'm like really just feeling woozy here. Understand this birthright. Suppose the man had three kids and he, and he had a, a two, three sons. Let's just say he had three sons. Uh, according to the birthright, the first son is entitled to double. So what they would do is that they would take this man's inheritance and split it up four ways instead of three. And they would give that first son two portions. See, understand that just because you got God's blessings in your life and he's touching your life and you got the job and everything's fine in your house does not mean that, God, that does not mean you got your birthright. It just means that God's giving you what's yours because his son died, but you don't have the best. You're missing out. Y'all missed that? You get, you get what I'm saying? I preach to you, Carmen. I pre- you can understand this. They don't understand the depth of this. This is too deep for them. Some of them are just getting get a life jacket. Daniel, get them something. Understand this. That just because you are blessed, just because you got some things in your life, you got a couple of nice dresses, Yvette, maybe you got some pocketbooks, or maybe you got this, you just paid off your car. It doesn't mean that God is, you, you got everything God has for you. It just means you're walking in what's already yours, what you're entitled to because you were born. But you have not captured your destiny. It does not mean you've captured. You have to understand, you will know when you got your destiny because it will be pouring over, flowing out from the windows of heaven, and you will not be able to contain it. You won't be able to keep track of your savings account when you are in the will of God. When you are truly, you have your birthright, you will not be able to control the things that God has given you. You'll be just like, give, give it to somebody else and I give it to you. And then, but if you can sit there and say, I'm blessed, I'm, that, that's not your birthright. I'm happy for you. I'm glad. God bless you. I'm just so overjoyed for you. But that's not your birthright. And we're settling for an inheritance rather than the birthright. I'm not going to settle for the birthright. I'm rather for the inheritance. I, I understand that. That, that the... I'm not trying to get this today. So there's the birthright. 
Now the birthright blessing traditionally also goes to the firstborn. But the birthright blessing, what it really is, is when the father dies, he designates who takes over the family. And so the birthright blessing signifies what son is in charge. And so if you don't got the birthright blessing or the birthright, it means you don't have everything God has for you and you are not in charge. You're not in charge of your life, your finances, your nothing. That is why the Bible says uh, in the book of, um, we read it the other day with Matthew, that's why some of you put money uh, in your pocketbooks with holes in, the, in the book of Haggai chapter 1. And you don't know where your money is going. You don't know where everything's going. You're not in charge of your life. You don't have the blessing of God in your life. You don't have the blessing to do whatever you want. There's some folks, they will walk out and do anything, and God blesses it. I don't know why. And it's always the people you can't stand that have that blessing. Because they're the ones you've been judging the whole way through. Because you found out the hard way. They're walking in the will of God and you're not. Don't get mad at somebody else for being blessed. Realize they got the birthright and the blessing. But you're selling yours away. Why? For the sinful pleasures you want. For the fun. The little two minutes of fun. But one night of going out, the good time you're having, cussing somebody out, flipping the bird. The All-American Eagle, the one-finger salute, whatever you want to call it. What are you missing and lacking in your life? And where has your walk with God changed? And realize you're going to find one thing. The only time it ever changed was when you decided to walk in a different direction. God didn't beat you up. God didn't hurt you. God didn't do anything to harm you. But yet you did some things and made some choices that have stolen your birthright. I don't know about you, but I desire to have everything God has for me. The sickness of Esau torments the church, and it makes us have this desire to sell off our God-given right to be blessed and highly favored, and I dare you to believe God that he can do and has more for you. I'm daring you to believe, God, that you have more for you. It's not just the birthright. It's also the birthright blessing. Esau went back to his dad and he said, is there nothing? And he cried like a baby when he realized what he had truly done. And for the rest of his days, he hated himself for selling his birthright. So is why in the Bible, the, 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 God says to one of the prophets, he goes, Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated because God had so much in store for Esau. And it, talking about a hate like I just hate you, it's hating his character, who he let himself become. God don't hate you, but he hates the sin in you. And Esau, he, he sold the thing that God gave to him, the destiny God had for him, and he gave it to his little brother for a bowl of soup. I challenge you tonight, that some of you are selling far more for much less. Less than a bowl of soup. Some of you got a Twinkie or something. It wasn't even Campbell's Chunky. It was just a condensed version. It wasn't even nothing good you, you, you're selling it for. It's just, a, yeah, it's just that progresso. You know, you're calling the guy. You've seen those commercials. They're calling the guy in a little can. Hello, hello. I mean, you're selling, you're, you're selling your birthright for just dumb stuff, for a bag of nuts or something, or just a candy bar. You guys got to realize that you are selling your life away. You are taking out credit on your life, and it's something you will not be able to repay, I promise you. Because there's no credit like the blood of Jesus you can have in your life. We need to not just realize we have some issues and problems, but begin to change the things that are causing them and get rid of those issues and those problems.
musicians, spiritual musicians, come on. It's my new title for you, my spiritual musician. Play something very spiritual. Don't be like Esau and sell your birthright. There is more to what God has for you than what you have right now. And if you're settling because you are content, man, there is so much more. Tell the person next to you, there's more. Tell somebody, turn around and tell somebody, there's more. There's more. There's, I, I'm not going to just run around and scream and holler. We don't have to have a thousand people here tonight. You just need to leave this building believing God there is more for you. And that whatever you're doing to stop it, to hinder it, to make it go the other direction, stop. You cannot just stop sitting altogether. You're going to have your moments, but stop the cycles of sin. Stop the, the, the torturous cycles you're putting yourself through. The same things you're always dealing with. We need to stop those things. Those are the ones that are get us. Those are the ones that are make you hate your own family. When in reality, it's all you that got the issues. Amen. Let's not sell our birthrights or the blessings. God has more. Come on, stand up with me. Come on, somebody say that. God has more for me. Lest we fall into the Esau syndrome in our lives. Come on, grab somebody's hand around you. But Father, we would commit to you, God, that we would find peace in you, God. That, God, whatever we're doing, God, that might be hindering our blessings and our birthrights, God. God, that we can be the head of our household, God, the head of our spiritual walks, God. Father, we rebuke every work of the enemy in us, God, that is trying to hinder us from being committed, sold out, and blood-bought for you, God. Whatever stopping us from being on fire for your spirit, God. God, I rebuke every content spirit in this place, God. Every, every, th- every thought that I'm just fine where I'm at and I don't need more. Oh, devil, you're a liar in this building. We believe, God, that you have more for us as a church, as individuals, as a family, as a group. God, you are amazing, you are powerful, and you are above everything I can ask or imagine, God. And so I pray to you, Father, that you would instill in this place, God, a fresh wind, a fresh anointing. Come on, speak that right now, a fresh wind. Come on, say it like you mean it, a fresh wind into my life. God, we speak that right now, God, that whatever, every heavy spirit, every, every guilty spirit, God, you, we rebuke it right now. God, you did not come to condemn the world, but you came to set us free, God. You came to give us life and to give it more abundantly, God. So to you we pray right now, Father God, that no matter what we've done, what we've said, where we've been, where we've gone, who we've done it with, God, God, that you can take it all away right now. And so we turn to you, God, right now to give you our everything tonight, God. As old and young alike, Father God, that we seek after you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, give it up for Lori as her closing announcements. Come on, Lori. Come on.